1: Welcome back to this week's Ask Amy. We are here with attorney Donna Carney. You focus on consumer law and for a long time focused a lot on auto fraud. And a lot of your clients and people who were coming to you had issues with car dealerships or car dealers. Um, So I wanted you to just talk to us about some of the most common scams and problems that people encounter when buying cars that that you would have to sort of help with.
0: Yeah, so, you know, interestingly, the story is very much the same throughout you know people go buy a vehicle they say that the two biggest purchases people ever make are their house and their car Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that's true I think for most Americans the biggest purchase they'll ever make is their car
1: fewer people are buying houses fewer people
0: are buying houses that's right and so when you think about the car buying experience and there's so many different cars at so many different price points Um, You know, the used car buying experience is kind of unique when it comes to shopping in this country. Yeah. Um, When you go into a used car dealership, you may feel like that vehicle that you're looking at is one of a kind. It's winking at you (laughs) and it is the vehicle that you want to have today. Mm -hmm. And if your emotions are not already tied up in that vehicle. Well, the used car salesperson is there to make sure <laughs>
1: that, they, that, are. that right. they are,
0: correct. <laughs> and we see that. We see that that is part of the business model. Um, and as a result, I think when people get very emotionally attached to that car buying experience, they forget to ask a lot of really important questions. Right. It's almost like we leave our brain behind. Uh-huh. It's like we've gone into some emotional connection and we have forgot that we have all these really important questions to ask. Well, I can tell you this. I mean, whenever you go buy a, a used
1: or a new car, for that matter, I mean, salespeople are generally nice and friendly. And then all those questions that we're supposed to ask all of a sudden start to seem... Like, oh, like I don't trust you and that I'm, I'm not being friendly by asking all of them. So it can be a little intimidating.
0: Right. So the questions of like, would you rather have this? I have several of the, this vehicle this year make model. Would you rather it in white or red or blue is not the right question that you want your used car salesperson asking you. Okay. You want to know how many miles are on the different vehicles Mm -hmm. do you want a vehicle that's got 20,000 miles and it's still under the manufacturer's warranty or do you want a vehicle that has a hundred thousand miles or do you want a vehicle that's somewhere in between and maybe the price points are different how about this question dealer has this vehicle been in an accident and what kind of an accident has it been in How about this question? Hey dealer, where did you get this vehicle? Did you get it as a trade from somebody else? Or did you get it at an auction? What sort of condition did you get it in? So wait, if I'm asking my car salesman this, I would
1: bet that almost all of them would say, well, we get a lot of our vehicles at auction, but that they don't know the very specific details about. I mean, so can I, is that the dealer's responsibility to
0: know all that? So the dealer is not responsible for necessarily knowing the answers to all of those questions. Mm -hmm. But if you ask and if they do, in fact, know the answer, they are required to tell you the truth. And that's where I feel like a lot of consumers come back um, to a dealership and say, hey, you scammed me. Uh You could have known this. You should have known this. Or, in fact, you did know this and you didn't disclose it to me. And you should have disclosed it or I asked you and you failed to disclose it. And now I'm stuck with a car note or I'm out all of these thousands of dollars in cash that I've paid you. I want my trade in back or I want my money back or I want out of this finance agreement. And the dealer says there is no right in Texas to return a vehicle. And guess what? The dealer may be right to some degree. There is no right in Texas. We should Mm -hmm. talk about this. There is no right in Texas to return a vehicle within three days. I think that that's a big misconception in Texas. Yeah, because you
1: think, oh, it's a big purchase. I could go home and if something happens within the first 48 or, you know, first three days, then I could change my mind and take it back. Not true.
0: That's not true. However, fraud is also illegal in Texas. And so if a car dealer is Actually, lying about the condition of the vehicle, uh-huh. whether that's just deception and misrepresentation or if it rises to the level of fraud, the consumer may have some right to have that transaction. Unwound or right. basically rescinded.
1: And that's going to take legal action.
0: That's probably going to take some legal action. You know, if we're going to talk about entities that a consumer should complain to, uh-huh. I would most certainly recommend that a consumer complain to the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. If it is a financed agreement that's with a buy here, pay here lot, I recommend that the consumer complain to the Office of the Consumer Credit, uh, commissioner. credit commissioner. Thank <laughs> you very much. I'm thinking OCCC. Oh, I uh-huh. needed to put those three C's together um the attorney general 's office uh-huh. um, and then also the department the on the federal level, the Department of Transportation okay um, because there are some dealerships that are just local to Texas, there are some that are nationwide okay um, and and you and I had spoken about some of the nationwide dealers that kind of have a reputation whether it's odometer fraud or or some other title issues where dealerships are not able to collect title quickly enough to actually provide it to Uh consumers throughout the country. These are the sorts of things that, whether it's a federal or a state agency, they want to know what is going on, feet on the ground. And so there is room to complain before a consumer goes in, hires a lawyer, and decides to file a lawsuit.
1: And I will say, I don't know if you would agree, as a consumer, you may not know if some car dealership is already feeling the heat from a regulating agency maybe they have a bunch of pending cases and then they get yours and so all of a sudden you know they see that you've complained to this agency and they're in a hurry to fix it because they they just want the pressure off of them
0: i think that there's a lot of truth to that and you know i think what um what bothers me is that sometimes there will be dealerships that come back to a consumer and say you know what Um, are bad. We didn't realize this vehicle had been in an accident before we sold it to you or that the odometer had been rolled back. Suddenly they're eating their words and they just want to unwind the deal. Uh And maybe for some consumers, that's a good resolution. I think in some instances, those consumers are still better served talking to an attorney before they just unwind the deal because they may be leaving some money on the table.
1: Talk about that. Is it because you can get back more in damages than just what the money that you paid for the vehicle?
0: You might, you might be entitled to more than just uh, that amount. Now, you know, as lawyers, we do have a figure of speech that pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. (laughs) So sometimes you're better off just, you know, resolving the issue then and there. But I think it does depend on what sort of resolution a car dealer is offering. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just tell a consumer, don't undercut your case you know if you feel like you're not getting fair value for the trade-in that's now gone that's now supposedly been sold to someone else and you're not going to keep the vehicle that you thought you were purchasing because whatever the reason is fill in the blank Uh make sure you're not walking away at a loss just because the dealer is claiming that they're willing to unwind the deal.
1: Okay. Um, so real quickly, because I think a lot of people who are listening to this have, have come across it because they're having some sort of dealership or de- problem with the dealership. And so, you know, they're hearing you say that, oh, you, you may be able to get your attorney's fees back. I mean, is it common that if I call an attorney to consult about a problem like this, that I'm going to have to pay a retainer before they even listen to my...
0: I think some private attorneys may. I I certainly can't speak for all private attorneys. And Uh I really think it's just going to depend on several things. It's going to depend on the attorney. It's going to depend on the dealership. Uh I can tell you in my experience, I have sued enough used car dealers who have eventually gone into bankruptcy. And so there is some risk for the attorney who's really wanting to help a consumer. Uh Uh-huh only to come to find out that the consumer's not getting any money, the attorney's going to be holding a bag of attorney's fees. Um, and, again, it's going to depend on the contract because a lot of contracts that consumers sign these days have arbitration clauses. Yeah, And that's, you know, we could take a whole another Ask Amy segment just to talk about arbitration clauses and just how unfair that is for consumers and i do want to talk about that because almost
1: all any contract you sign has that buried in there and is there anything we can do about that when we come back we're going to talk about it also i think there's a joke in here somewhere about an attorney and a reporter talking about car dealers You know, people, the car dealers are like, well, look at you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. As they should. I kid, I kid. <laughs> um, so we'll be right back. We're going to talk about arbitration and then wrap this up. And we want to give you guys some other resources, places to go. You can always find all that information, too, in our show notes. We'll be right back. Welcome to this episode of Ask Amy. Today we are talking about all things related to buying cars and auto fraud. I mean, it's one of the top complaints we get when people call us and say, hey, I purchased a car three days ago, and already it's not working. Can I take it back? I usually go to Donna Carney to answer all of those questions. So Donna Carney is now with Lone Star Legal Aid, but you've been doing consumer law for almost 20 years. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's yeah, so nice to you so see you in person. In. I know. I know. You too. And so I'll come to you and ask all these questions. One of the first things you usually say is, what does their
0: contract say? Right. So (laughs) typically when people buy a vehicle, unless they're buying it from a friend or a neighbor or family, there is a contract. When people go to a dealership, there's typically a contract. And I think that there is some expectation these days that people don't read the contract. Yeah. And so when they go see a lawyer and they say, I feel like I've been scammed or I don't know what my rights are. Most lawyers will say, I need to see the contract that you signed or the contract that you've been presented with in order to determine what their rights are.
1: Right. And I find a lot of people are like, oh, wait a minute. What did I receive? Where did I receive? Where did I put all that stuff? OK, so talk right into this mic so that we can make sure that we hear you. I know I'm like, look at me and then talk into the mic. Sure. But I mean, just give me a little background. So you I mean, are you still covering these types of cases? Has law changed much in these types of
0: consumer sort of auto related Yeah, so one of the things about consumer law in Texas is that in order for a plaintiff, the person who wants to bring the lawsuit, to be able to bring a lawsuit, they have to have damages. And when you're talking about car fraud, typically the person who's been harmed has damages, right? Mm -hmm. They've gone to the dealership. They've paid out some money. Maybe you've turned in a trade-in, and so now you're out your old car while you thought you were going to be picking up a new car or a newer car than the one you had. And, yeah, you have damages. And so, yes, in the grand scheme of things in Texas, where there has been a lot of tort reform or other reasons that people can't bring lawsuits, um, where it comes to car fraud, yes, those cases are alive and well. And there are different sorts of car fraud. One of them that we might have time to talk about today later is odometer fraud, Uh a personal favorite of mine. Um, But there are other sorts of cases like yo-yo scams where people keep getting called back in to sign newer contracts and get different finance charges or more money being squeezed out of them. As long as the consumer feels as though they have been harmed and they have money damages, there's a really good chance that they have a case, depending on what's in the contract, depending on what happened during the sale, the so, pitch.
1: So then what I'm hearing from that is, it might sound like common sense to a lot of consumers, but that is, you don't walk away from buying a vehicle, something that expensive, without the contract and the paperwork and everything in writing with what you have essentially agreed to and signed, usually.
0: Sure, um, you know, the other, the other side of that is not just the contract. Um, I think a lot of people are interested in learning about the Lemon Law or what is perceived to be the Lemon Law. Um, There are manufacturer sort of claims and claims that have to do with the actual drivability or the safety of a vehicle. And um, I can tell you that as a consumer rights lawyer, I'm well aware of the fact that the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles does have a Lemon Law law. Um, procedure that's in place. Mm -hmm. Most of the car fraud and consumer cases that I have been involved with have to do with used vehicles. Uh And used vehicles typically do not come with any Lemon Law protections. Lemon Law protections are usually reserved for new vehicles, meaning Uh you're the first titled owner of that car. So yes, we do see some consumer complaints. We do see contract claims. And sometimes we see manufacturing sorts of claims
1: right and so um, and we hear from both i mean people who buy used cars and new cars and they so usually if you buy a new car you think hey i paid this extra price for it to know that i've got this warranty to know that i'm not going to have to bring it back to the shop every month but then you do and that can be quite frustrating if they're like oh we're going to figure this out
0: right so my suggestion to a consumer who's bought a vehicle and they, it's a brand new vehicle, they're the first person who's been titled to, the, the vehicle's been titled to them, is keep all of your service records. Um, do not expect, please do not expect that if you put aftermarket parts on your vehicle that you are not voiding the warranty. You let,
1: are voiding the warranty. Let
0: me put that differently. Yeah. <laughs> um, by putting aftermarket parts on your vehicle, you should expect that the manufacturer or the dealer will tell you that you are voiding the warranty. If you're putting a souped up sort of muffler or transmission part or something on your engine, on the converter, on on any part of the vehicle, you should expect that you are voiding the warranty. But if you're not doing that and you're simply buying a vehicle, you wanna shuttle your kids to school, you wanna get yourself to work and the vehicle keeps giving you problems, And most especially if they are safety related problems. In other words, it's not the radio or the air conditioner, but it's more like the brakes Uh or the starter or the engine simply fails on the side of the hot you're on the side of the highway or in the middle of the highway. Yeah. Keep track of all of your service records and consult with an attorney because. I'm aware that some lawyers would prefer to bring those cases as a breach of warranty claim uh-huh. as opposed to a lemon law procedure uh. with the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. And now I don't want to get into the weeds on all of that. Yeah. Um we would need a whole law school class for that. Right. But there are differences between bringing a lawsuit in court or an arbitration claim before an arbitration forum as opposed to bringing that lemon law proceeding before the Department of Motor Vehicles. In either case, you need your records. So okay. keep track of all of your service records.
1: Yeah, and I you know, I think a lot of people too who call when you say, well, you know, it it might be a lawsuit and people are like, "Oh, I mean, I didn't want to have to do that." And so we hope to share some, I know, with every industry you might have regulating agencies that are useful and helpful and effective and then others are not so much so i mean we'd like to be able by the end of this to give you some sort of resources places that you should file complaints whether or not they end up helping you resolve it as a matter of record keeping
0: right right Right. so the texas department of motor vehicles does have some very helpful information to consumers i do encourage consumers to visit their website for information but I would also always urge consumers to reach out to an attorney before they take any legal action.
1: Yeah, it, it, like filing in small claims court. Even that, even though small claims court was supposed to have been set up so that we could
0: do that ourselves, right, Donna? Right, that is correct. You know, the limits went up to $20,000, so uh-huh. for some people with vehicles that might have cost them under $20,000, that may actually be an option. Mm-hmm. Um, with car prices these days exceeding and, and really kind of rising, that may be a little bit of a challenge. Right. Um, but in, in any event, I do recommend that consumers, at a minimum, consult with an attorney. Keep in mind, you know, I think a lot of consumers don't know this, um, a lot of consumer rights laws do allow the consumer to collect among other damages, their attorney's fees. Uh-huh. So we call that fee shifting, meaning uh-huh. it shifts from the consumer to the other side, or or what we like to call the bad guys, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the manufacturer, the car dealer, whatnot. Right. Um, and so there's there's really no reason for a consumer not to consult with an attorney. That um, some of those consultations may be. Really cheap, if not free, with some private consumer rights attorneys. Or obviously, if they are eligible for legal aid, they should most certainly apply for legal services.
1: All right. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realize that because that could be keeping a lot of people from trying to sort of stand on their rights.
0: Absolutely. Because they
1: think I'm never gonna be able to afford an attorney.
0: Absolutely. Okay,
1: great, that's perfect introduction. When we come back, we wanna talk about some of the biggest scams, some of the biggest problems that you see, that I'm seeing. You can answer some of those questions. So stick around, we will be right back. Welcome back. We hope you're still with us. We're here with Donna Carney and you're shedding a lot of light on a lot of issues when it comes to buying a car. And what we left out on is one that I hope you're not tuning away for because she mentioned arbitration. It's a big word. Probably every contract you've ever signed from, you know, your internet service to anything has this arbitration clause in it. Basically, What does it mean?
0: Basically, it means two things. It means, one, you are waiving your right to go to court. You cannot sue your dealer or, like you said, Internet service or cell phone provider in court unless it's in small claims court. Um, Also, probably no class actions. Um, you should try when you go buy a used car, especially with the smaller lots, to ask them to just cancel out the arbitration clause. Mm-hmm. I think maybe some of the smaller dealers will agree to go forward with a sale without an arbitration clause. The larger dealerships, I don't think that they will sell a vehicle without an arbitration clause. Keep in mind, unfair is it? you know, I, th- I think it's super unfair. People don't realize this, that The entity that wrote up the contract, meaning the car dealership that wrote up the contract, is the one that chooses the arbitration forum. So how fair is that? You know, people ask me all the time, how do you change that? Well... I mean, that's going to take a law change, a change by the legislature to change the law, because basically what it means is,
1: hey, if you have a problem with this car or with any part of this deal, you're, you're agreeing that you cannot sue me in court, that you have to agree to go to arbitration, and they're picking the person who's overseeing the entire process, the arbiter, right? Correct. So it's not really what we think of when we think of our fair day in court. Given that there's no way around it, I mean, with a large car dealership, because these are going to be corporate policies, they'll say, never mind, we'll just sell the car to the next person. Um, you're saying, don't let that stop you if something happens from reaching out to an attorney. Correct. They would still walk you through the process and wor- work with you, but it has to be through that arbiter. Correct.
0: Okay. That is correct. Correct.
1: All right. Okay. Let's talk about, you mentioned getting, at the very beginning, we talked about getting the history of a vehicle. And we can ask all these questions all day long when we're at a dealership, like, what's the history of this vehicle? Has it ever been in an accident? But we should do some sort of independent check ourselves.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to suggest to consumers a couple of things. You know, if you're buying a vehicle and you're spending a fortune of money, um. Ask for a car fax or an auto check report or any other vehicle history report that this dealership might subscribe to. A lot of dealerships may tell you that they don't subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I try to get that in writing from them that they don't subscribe to anything because we have found dealerships who have lied and said, I never pulled a vehicle history report, only to find out later that they did. And they knew about the Car crash, odometer fraud, whatever. They didn't want to show you. They didn't want to show you. Um, But I would also tell the consumer, you know, if you're buying a $15,000, $20,000, $80,000 vehicle, go ahead and shell out the $45 or whatever it costs to get your own vehicle history report. And better yet, if you're really serious about buying a vehicle, ask your mechanic. If they're willing to come car shopping with you for the day, Mm -hmm. ask them what it would cost. If you, you know, could kind of borrow them to come have a look at a vehicle before you buy it. Don't cave into the pressure tactics of a used car salesman who says, if you walk off the lot, somebody else over here is going to pick up this vehicle right. because that is very likely to happen.
1: I'll add another wrinkle to that. And that is, even if you check the Carfax report, um, we've done investigative stories where we have found that there was an accident on the vehicle that wasn't reported. And so Carfax didn't know about it. So it wasn't on there. But when the new buyer goes to insure their vehicle, Somehow the insurance company knew about it, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, you know. I
0: have a very easy solution to that, and yeah, I encourage everyone to do this. Before you buy a vehicle, call your insurance company on the spot and tell them, I'm about to purchase this vehicle. Here's the VIN number. What is it going to cost me to insure this vehicle at this rate or at that rate? And they will let you know right there on the spot if they will not insure the vehicle. Why not find out before you buy the vehicle whether it's insurable or not?
1: That's great because they're going to want the VIN so that they can Absolutely. run Absolutely. Okay. That's fantastic. I mean, because the reason that we've been told by Carfax and some of these um, companies that, that have these title histories and car histories is because they say not everything is reported to them, perhaps by body shops, perhaps by insurance companies that may have deemed a car totaled. But it didn't mean that it had to be salvaged.
0: And the red flag, I think, to look out for are the used car dealers who tell you, don't worry about your insurance company insuring this. We'll insure it in-house. And you can say, that that may be great, and maybe you can give me a better rate Uh insuring it in-house. But I want to call my insurance company just for a moment just to get a competitive bid on insuring it uh, just to find out.
1: Right. No, I think that's a very good idea. Let's talk a little bit about yo-yo financing. because we, Oh,
0: my favorite. <laughs> yeah, we hear about this,
1: and I think people are confused because you go and you spend a significant time at a dealership sure. going back and forth, and here's the price, and then and now here's the final price out the door. You sign all this paperwork, you drive away and think you're the owner of a new car.
0: Yes, only to come to find out that a day or two later, you've got to come back and sign brand new paperwork. So here's the deal. How is that It legal? is a deal when you've signed, depending on what you sign, now uh-huh. there, there may be some paperwork that you sign that would make the deal contingent. Okay. There are documents that may make the deal contingent.
1: On if we can find that financing correct. rate for you. Correct,
0: correct. However, in most instances that I've seen in my practice at least. Once you sign that contract, Mm -hmm. that retail installment sales contract, it's a long sheet of paper. These days, actually, it's electronic in most car dealerships. It's a deal. And the deal is done. And so if the dealership comes back and says, you can get financing here, we had to take your deal elsewhere. And now this new or different finance company wants different terms or a bigger down payment or a higher interest rate. Uh Uh-huh. You can tell them, here are the keys, cars out front, give me back my trade-in and my down payment. You can hold them to their own terms. I think what most consumers cave into are the pressure tactics. Right. And their own emotions to say, but I already love the car and that new car smell and all my neighbors have seen it and yeah. my friends have, I've taken them for a spin around the
1: block. And it's just a percentage point more. If I just signed this new thing, I could just go and be done with it.
0: And I think, I think really what ends up being worse are the kind of the way that some used car dealers or, or car dealers in general, even new car dealers will spin it to uh-huh. say, I'm actually reducing your monthly payment. Uh, without realizing that they've just added another year onto the term of the note. That's dirty. It's very (laughs) dirty. So instead of it being a four-year note, it's now a five-year note. So maybe they've reduced the monthly note, but the overall cost of the vehicle and the Mm -hmm. overall finance charge and interest rate has increased. And to a lot of consumers, the only thing they're thinking about is the amount that they're paying out of pocket. Right. Every single month. Exactly. Not understanding the overall detriment. Exactly.
1: And I don't know about you, but I found the Office of the Consumer Credit Commissioner to be pretty helpful yes. when, it, when a consumer has that retail installment contract and you can call that agency. We'll put the contact information for you in our show notes and say, hey, I signed this. Here's my copy of it. Now they're calling me back and saying this. I found that they reach out to those dealerships pretty quickly.
0: Yes. I think that the the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles is, is responsible Responsive. So, actually, all of the entities, I think, don't they don't get enough. um, I think, kind of, complaint out of consumers. Uh But when they do, I do think that they're responsive. I encourage people to complain to the Better Business Bureau because they also keep track of complaints. And and like I've always said, I've been saying this for years: reach out to an attorney at a minimum. Find out if you can get a free consultation. Uh, and certainly, if you are eligible for legal services, please reach out to your local legal aid uh, in Houston. That would be Lone Star Legal Aid.
1: All right. We will put the contact information for Lone Star Legal Aid in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming in today.
0: Amy, thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. Happy car shopping. If yes. If you to go. Yes. Yes. <laughs>